You're listening to teaching from the Word of God, provided by Black Forest Chapel. This is the church where you will find biblical teaching and authentic worship with family and friends. We are located in Black Forest near Monument and just north of Colorado Springs, Colorado. We invite you to join us this Sunday. Find our location, worship times, and more at blackforestchapel.org. good to see you. It's, uh, it's good to be here and to be able to worship together. And um, I know that we got many emails from people that just needed to stay home um, for, for safety reasons and just during this kind of global lockdown, if you will. So um, understandably so. And But they said they'd be listening online. So um, for those of you listening online, don't get too comfortable. Even though I can't see you falling asleep, the Lord sees everything, right? So, so stay awake, and we'll be in God's Word together this morning. Um, before I pray and we get in the in the Word this morning, uh, you know, it, we all have our own views of different aspects of this pandemic and the human response and the panic that has ensued. Ultimately, the panic seems to be more infectious than the disease at the moment, but. Um, the perfect storm of political environments and our 24-hour news cycle, sensationalist news and social media and all of those things um, can create panic. It can create worry, anxiousness, stressfulness um, in people in general. And, and, I, and I understand that. That's a human nature thing. We shouldn't be surprised by the fallenness of the world and by the world's response. Um, but this morning, hopefully, as we get into God's word, that I just want us to understand that we are to live wisely and still do wise things in relation to what's happening, but we are to live differently. We're not to be like the world in any respect. And so um, I was planning on preaching out of Genesis once again this whole week, and yesterday afternoon around 12, 1 o'clock, that changed and felt compelled to provide a different message for us this morning. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, if you want to turn your Bibles uh, to Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to talk about anxiousness and worry. We're also going to be in Psalm 91. We'll start in Matthew chapter 6. Before we get there, just so that you know what the response of your church is, Black Forest Chapel, um, the elders, we're waiting for Craig and Rick around the ski trip. There, there's four or five families skiing right now in um, Glenwood Springs area. Well, actually, they're on their way back. They're not skiing anymore. The ski resorts have been closed down now, too. So they skied yesterday. We're supposed to ski today, and they were shut down. So they're on their way back. So pray for safe travels and return for, for our families. My family's with them, so pray for everyone to to return safely, but Craig and Rick are to return tonight, and, and we're going to get together as the elders probably tomorrow night and talk about what's the wise thing to do. What does the Lord want us to do? Not just make decisions based on what everyone else is doing, but what are the wise and, and good things that we can do as a church? And So we'll be making decisions about the, the Truth Project class, the upcoming Praise and Prayer Night, Sunday services, all of our different events. Um, so pray for us that we use wisdom with that. Um, 
it is not a matter of running away and not a matter of um, running and hiding in our homes. That's not the heart here. It's we want everyone to participate. We have events and we have things for us to grow together as God's people. And if we're not together, then that limits our ability to do that well. And we don't want people to miss things. If we're in a class and if people are going to miss two or three weeks of the class, it does, it's not wise to necessarily run that. We haven't made any decisions yet, but just consider those things as we uh, discern God's will for our church. Uh, and we'll hopefully have some creative ways that we can still fellowship and, and be together. And we don't know what's going to happen with Sunday morning. I'm sure most churches are, are not meeting. They have online opportunities and other... Um, we didn't feel like canceling church was the thing to do. And there is enough of us here to prove that we're here to worship and give ourselves to the Lord. So we are taking some steps, just basic things. Um, obviously the hand washing, we, we had our team, our crew come in here, the Escalera crew came in and they, they disinfected all the handles and, and tables and all that stuff before the, before the service started. And we're going to be on that more regularly. So we're limiting our, our greeter response. So instead of shaking hands and doing that, we're doing elbow bumps or head bumps or whatever bumps make sense, right? Whatever, whatever helps us <laughs> feel better and contain the possible spread, I guess. Um, but we're, we're just trying to be wise with those things. So we're not going to pass out uh, the bulletins. You can grab one on your way in. The offering, we're going to use the, the little lockboxes for now for those and those types of things. We're, we're on it. We, we understand the need to, to do some of those. So um, if you have any questions, concerns about anything, please feel free to just email me. Um, any suggestions that you have, that's fine. Otherwise, uh, we will be in contact with you. If you're not on our email list, if you don't, um, on our regular email distribution, make sure you sign up with, with Deb at the welcome desk before you leave, because we'll be letting you know about services and other events. So. Okay. Let me pray for us and we'll get into God's word together. Father, this world is exhausting. The problems that we create for ourselves are unbelievable, Lord. I, I, it gives me a sense, just a, just a momentary sense of your patience with us. Thank you that we can find rest in you. That we are a people that live in hope that we have peace in our life because of Jesus Christ. We are not unwise. We, we do things that we need to do, Father, that are smart, that make sense. But we don't fear. We don't panic. We belong to you. We are securely and safely in your hands. This morning in the prayer time, someone mentioned that, that our days are numbered by you, not by us. Thank you for that, Father. Thank you for those truths. I pray this morning as your people, as we gather, as we want to hear from you, Lord, be reassured by you, be fed and encouraged by you, Lord, that you would, by your Holy Spirit, speak to us. Help us to know how to navigate this well. Help us to know how to depend on you. Just teach us to depend on you more. I believe that there's probably been greater prayer happening in our church because of this, a greater awareness of the frailty of all of our human institutions. It could all go in a moment, Lord. And so we truly only have you. You are our rock. You are our fortress. You are our refuge. You are the foundation of our entire life. Without you, we have nothing. So Lord, teach us about these things. 
And in your wisdom and in your great grace, Lord, use us as your people to go and to share the message of hope with others, to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the world around us who is truly lost and living in darkness. Let us be a light to them, Father. So now, Holy Spirit, please fill me, give me words to speak to your people, and help your people to hear directly from you, personally. And I pray you would help us to obey. In Jesus' name, amen. So my family and I, my, my boys and I specifically, we started watching a show um, called Lego Masters. Has anyone seen Lego Masters? Yeah, okay. Chad has, of course. Good. And Cooper. So it's, it's a, of all the reality, the horrible reality TV shows out there, it's actually pretty fun. So there's, there's um, a bunch of different teams of two, and uh, they come into this amazing Lego arena, if you will, with all the different Legos and colors and all that stuff. And, and they have challenges. So they've got to build their Lego masters. They've got to build these amazing scenes. And one of them was they had to do, they were given a movie genre. They had to create a whole story from a standstill Lego set. It's really interesting. So just really beautiful creations. And they have their challenges. And um, last week we watched one that was about speed and strength. And so they had to build a race car, and then all the teams built a race car, and then they had to race down the ramp, and whichever one, so they had to build an actual race car with Legos, and, and then they raced down the ramp, and then whoever won that, that part of the challenge got um, more time and some benefits to then build the next challenge, which was building a bridge. So they had to actually build, they had specifications for how long it had to be, and it needed to be somewhat aesthetically pleasing, but ultimately it needed to be functional. And they didn't know what they were going to be doing with this bridge. They just had to build a really good bridge. So, these, I mean, it was like a six, seven-foot-long bridge that they had to build. And they could pick different suspension bridges, different types of bridges. I'm not an engineer, but they were really beautiful creations. Some of them were more aesthetically pleasing than others. Others were more functional. And at the end of that, the challenge was they had to take these kettleball weights. They started with 25 pounds and actually set it on, on this Lego bridge and see if it could hold. And then they kept adding weight. And then the winner would be the one to have the most weight on their bridge without it collapsing. <laughs> of course, the fun part is when it collapses and breaks into thousands of pieces everywhere and it's all over the place. But some people, they focus more on the aesthetics. They made it really pretty. They had all flowers on it, all, all this stuff. And then after 100, 200 pounds, it collapsed and shattered everywhere. Two teams built a bridge that held, they actually maxed out. They had to go find weight the film crew, they had to go like in storage areas. They said this is the worst TV show. They weren't prepared for this, right? They were making fun of themselves. They both were able to hold a thousand pounds on their Lego bridges. And they still would, they had to stop. They didn't have any more weight to do it. So their um, one team ultimately won based on some other criteria. But um, it was fascinating to watch because, like I said, a lot of people make it look really nice, it looks impressive. But after only 100 pounds or 200 pounds, it collapsed under the weight. Versus others took a lot of more time. It didn't look as pretty, if you will, or aesthetically pleasing, but functionally. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you're doing all kinds of stuff back there, aren't you, Chad? There it is. Yeah, there's one of the, the, the bridges. But functionally, only two of the bridges were able to hold all of that weight. As, as Christians, as believers, we, we read the Bible, we, we're supposedly building these foundations, we're, we're building up our life on the truths of Scripture, on, on the revelation of this amazing God, this great God, this most high God, this God Almighty, that, that, that is supposed to 
ensure and give us hope and security and rest, knowing that he has everything under control. And when adversity comes, when all of the adversity, the obstacles, the stresses of life are placed on that foundation, hopefully, if we truly have a foundation of faith, that we're living out our, our Christianity, we're following Christ, we're not just talking about him, we're, we're living with him, that we can handle when those, and, and maybe we bow a little bit, maybe a couple pieces fall off here and there, but ultimately we can stand up under that. We can stand firm. We can resist the devil. We can be steadfast in the midst of a storm. Far too many of us, though, we do all of the right Christian things. We make it look really impressive. It looks great. But the first weight that's placed on us, we collapse. We falter. We're shattered into a thousand pieces. And then we've got to spend a lot of time trying to put stuff back together. This is a global crisis, whether it's just the virus component that really started all of this, or whether it's a political storm, or whether it's a, um, just the nature of technology and communication, and we're a global economy. It's, it's part of it, but there's also an economic impact. People are going to lose jobs and businesses, and it's, this is, this is going to stress multiple areas of our lives, all of our lives, relationships, and things are already hard enough. Right when you don't have the Lord. So as believers, how are you? How is your foundation? How is your bridge that you've been building with the Lord? How how, how is that looking right now? Is it, is it bowing under the weight? And and you have to be cautious because sometimes fear and worry are disguised as anger and frustration and a righteousness and within that. Right. I found the last couple of days for me that's what I was dealing with. There was a sense of, this is not right, this is unjust. Look at all the problems that are created, the cascade of events because of human nature. So then I began to ask the questions, Lord, what, what are you doing here? What's going to happen to our church? We're, just, we're getting some momentum, Lord. You're doing all these great things, and, and now do we have to shut our doors? Is that, is that your will for us? And so then the question comes, in this anger, do I really trust him? Can I submit to him and just give this to him in prayer and not be anxious? My anxiousness sometimes is hidden in, in, a, in a fearful anger. I didn't realize that until this, until this weekend. And that's why yesterday around 1 o'clock things switched. I needed, to, I needed to preach a sermon to myself, and so I figured it was, it was good for me that it will be good for us as well, right? Other, others of us, we don't necessarily express fear by talking a lot about it and walking around and... and, and there are some. We just. I just heard up in the prayer room. There's there are people that are creating their own hazmat suits, right? They're using garbage bags and, and poking some holes in it, as if the garbage bag is cleaner than the air around them. But but this is this is this is the wisdom of the world. I was I was at Target getting some groceries and realized. I mean the the aisles were empty. My wife sent me to get frozen vegetables. There's plenty of those. So if you want some vegetables, no one's hoarding vegetables apparently. But I wanted to get some, and I was getting in line, and there was a lady, but her cart was packed. She had giant containers of oatmeal, giant containers of rice, white rice, and then she had about, I think it was like 16 giant tubs of ketchup. And then a few other small miscellaneous things, but that would be the worst dinner ever. For however long, a self-quarantine of oatmeal, rice, and ketchup sounded... There's no wisdom in that. I hope she has some other stuff at home, otherwise... I feel really bad for that family, right? Where's the wisdom? Well, when you don't have 
when, when your life, when your perspective, your foundations are not built on, on the person and the truth of God, then you're, it's a free-for-all. It's whatever you think is going to work, is going to help, and it's all about self. It's all about self-preservation. There's no really thought to anyone else. We are to live differently. We're not to live like that. We, our foundation is built on something far different. And so we should be able to stand under the weight. We should not have fear of bad news. We are still wise. I'm not an unwise person in that there are tens of thousands of, of deaths every year from car accidents. I wear a seatbelt. I don't walk around. I've got greater faith because I don't wear a seatbelt. Now, that's, that's, not, that's not smart. But I also don't sell my car and never drive again. Right? I, I, I do what I need to do, but I also live differently. I don't live in fear. And so as I was looking at the, the Sermon on the Mount and looking at Jesus' words about being anxious, um, something struck me, so I thought we would talk about that this morning. In Matthew, starting in chapter 5, this, we, we see the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus sits in the, in the position and the place of a teacher as, as a rabbi. He sits, he open, opens his mouth and speaks, it says. So there's an authoritative component to this. Right? He's speaking with authority. These are God's words. Through, this is Jesus' words. And he starts with the Beatitudes. So he's starting with um, these blessings. Right? This is all about how to live as kingdom people. How are we to live in light of the kingdom of God, not in light of the kingdom of the world? We are to be different. We are to be separate. Right? We are to be holy. And so Jesus starts with, blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven, right? In verse 3. What does that mean? Well, I'm not going to go through all these, but that, that just means, you know, blessed are those who understand their place in life, that, that they can't save themselves. They have, a, they have, a, they have a, a neediness about them. They know they need to depend on God. They don't have this pridefulness to say, I can fix everything and I can save myself. They don't say that. They're blessed because they're poor in spirit. They understand who God is and they understand who they are. And they understand their sin. The next one feeds off of that. Blessed are those who mourn. They should be comforted. Why, why are we mourning? Because of our sin. Because of our fallenness. We are to be a repentant people. The world lives differently. There's nothing. It's, it's a free-for-all. It's whatever feels good. right? It's all relative. Whatever works for me is what's good. Even if I harm other people. They all say we, we, we should do no harm. But ultimately we do. Because we're self-centered. Those of us without Jesus, without the Holy Spirit, we can't do good things. Blessed are the meek. Are we supposed to be doormats? No, we're just not supposed to defend ourselves about everything. We're supposed to live differently. right? So Jesus has all of these, these beatitudes, and he goes into all these other sections that Matthew chronicles for us, to be salt and light, and, and he deals with, Jesus deals with anger. We're, we're, we're to deal with anger differently. And understand it from God's perspective. We're to deal with lust differently and understand it from God's perspective. Jesus is, is turning everything upside down. It's not just adultery that's physical. It's in your mind, too. It's, it's how you think. It's your thought life. He's, he's, he's changing the whole model here for us. Divorce and oaths and retaliation. Love your enemies right before chapter 6. That's countercultural. We're not supposed to love our enemies. We're supposed to hate our enemies. Are, that's the definition of enemy, right? We're not supposed to love them and invite them in and be, do nice things for them. We're supposed to defend ourselves against them and retaliate against them and show them really who's boss and that they can't do this to us. And Jesus says, no, no this, is, this, is, this is a different way of living. This is kingdom life. This is what God expects of you. This is what I, as, as your Savior, expect of you. 
And so he, he shows us this whole countercultural perspective. Giving, even how we give needs to be different than the world around us. Because God is to receive the glory, not us. How we pray needs to be different than the world around us. How we fast, laying up treasures in heaven, our economic, all, all of the things that we value in this world need to be laid before God. Anything that is temporal needs to be set aside. Why? Because moth and rust will destroy. Thieves will come in and steal. It's all temporary. But we are to lay up treasures where? In heaven. We can't serve two masters, Jesus says. We cannot divide ourselves. We need to be a single-minded people. So you can't serve God and serve money. Well, I don't serve money. I'm not greedy. I don't work on Wall Street. Check your life. Check, look at your checkbook. Look at the things you spend money on. Look at, look at your credit card statements. Look at how you react when financially things start to go downhill for you. You can't serve both. And then moving into the next section, talking about anxiousness, it talks about the provision in our life. It talks about a financial component. And although the virus, the, the, the COVID-19 is, is the, the catalyst for a lot of that's, that's happening in the world around us, it's, it's integrated solidly with all of our thoughts and concerns with provision. How are we going to survive? How am I going to have, have a job next week? Right? Am I still going to get a paycheck? Is my business going to close? How, how is this economically, this is going to be disastrous? It already has been on many fronts. And so our security in general is what comes in question and where we start to panic. Our health is one component, but it feeds into all the other ones. And so this is applicable, I believe, for, for much of what we're dealing with right now, for much of what you're going to be faced with as you leave this place and, and go back out. And so there's still people out there right? <laughs> Even though there are many people that are not going out, there are plenty of people that still are. And here's the thing, as, as we read this and as you consider your heart with it, um, we, like I said, this whole thing is counterculture. We are to be different. And so when you're out in the grocery store, if you're getting coffee or wherever you still, if you're, if you're going, still going to work, whatever you're, whoever you're interacting with, you have to understand that this whole world, everyone surrounding you, many people surrounding you are lost. They do not know Jesus Christ. They're lost, they're living in darkness. They have no hope. They have no peace. And they have no prospect for either one apart from Christ. This is an amazing opportunity that God has provided for his people to share the good news with those who are panicking and running for their life right now. How often do you pray, Lord, use me, right? Use me to, to speak into someone's life. Help me to share your, your good news. Help me to share your life with someone else around me. Help, help me to be more bold in my evangelism. You have, a, you have an amazing open door right now because this is what everyone's talking about. There's a common... I have had more people. I'm not the most... People don't usually approach me. I'm pretty... I'm just kind of quiet. I'm, I'm not great at starting general conversations with strangers. I, I try at times when it makes sense, but I don't really force it. I've had so many people just start talking to me. Even when I, I, I wasn't even turned to them. I'm in line and they're talking and I'm like, oh, you're talking to me. I'm sorry. You know, and I, everyone needs to talk. They need to process. They're, 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 they're worried. They're anxious. They're scared. They're panicking. And they don't know what to do. And some people are just, they just need to talk about it. 
And so I've had so many conversations because of this issue, because of this global pandemic and all the, all of the ripple effect into our society. And so they, they want to talk. They, they are open to have a conversation. And you have the solution to all of their panic and all their anxiety and all of their lack of hope and their unrest. And so you need to share it. So I've had conversations in the grocery line with the person behind me and also with the person checking me out. I've never, that usually doesn't happen, right? Usually people are just kind of going about their business and in line getting coffee. And I'm still out doing some things. I'm not being unwise and going to places I don't need to, but I typically don't go to places I don't need to, right? I, I just go to places I need to. And so I'm doing those things and the people are out there and they need to hear truth. They're completely lost. So if someone's walking around with a garbage bag on their head with a couple holes, take some time to stop and talk to them. How's that working out for you? Right? Oh my gosh. Matthew 6, verse 25, starting in verse 25. Therefore, in light of all these things, and in light of the treasures laid up in heaven versus treasures on earth, all the temporary, all the the temporary things that we try to hold on and, and have our grip on, In light of all of that, therefore, Jesus, as I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Think, think about that. You're made in the image, right? The image and the likeness of God himself, the pinnacle of creation, if you will. God loves you. He's, as his people, he loves us with an enduring, steadfast love, an unending love. And we're more valuable than birds, and yet God feeds all the birds every day. You think about that? How many bir- I tried to look up how many birds there are. They, they don't know. They can't count birds. They're all over the place, right? They try. The estimate is 200 billion to 400 billion. That's quite the span, right, of, of range. But ultimately, think of that. God takes care of all the birds in the entire world every day. That's quite the, the feeding program, right? Aren't you more valuable than the birds? Is he, is he not going to take care of you? Do you need 50 gallons of ketchup? No, you don't. God will take care of you. Verse 27. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? I really, really, that, that verse just hit me how much time we waste worrying about things. And the idea of anxiousness, this idea of worry, translated as, as, a, as a distracted thoughts. It's, it's being troubled by so many cares. It's a dividedness. We're trying to focus on God. We're trying to focus on his son. We're, we're trying to focus on the good things and, and just consider who he is. And the, the only way to trust God is to focus on God. The only way to trust him is to know him. But we can't do that if we're distracted by all these things. So that's that idea of anxiousness. It's worry. It's being having our thoughts pulled away from God and into all these other areas. It's not good. It's not healthy. And, God, and Jesus, three different times in this small section, is commanding us, do not be anxious. 
R.H. Mounts is a theologian, and he actually he, he phrased it very interestingly. He said, this is not just a little weakness that we all give in from time to time, anxiousness or worry. It's actually it's strictly forbidden for us. He said, worry is practical atheism. It's an affront to God. It's practical atheism. Why? Because you don't trust God. You feel like you're not going to be taken care of. That all these things are going to come against you. Instead, we are to submit those to the Lord. Because he cares for us. We can't add a single hour to the span of our life. We belong to him. We're in his hands. We should be less concerned, honestly, Using wisdom and doing general things, seatbelts, hand sanitizer, that's fine, but we should be less concerned with how we're going to die and more concerned with how we're actually living for the Lord. We should be much less concerned with how we're going to die and much more concerned with how we're living. Far too many of us as believers are not living this life. We're not, we're, we're, we're still held captive by our fears, still held captive by worldly notions and world, worldly pursuits and Temporary things. Verse 28. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Amazing imagery. I love the truths here. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? This is the crux of it. It's a lack of faith. God clothes the grass of the field. Do you really think much about grass? No, why? Why would you, right? It just grows high. You've got to cut it down. and Right? He actually closes, clothes the, the grass with splendor greater than that of Solomon. Why wouldn't he take care of you any more than that? It's a lack of faith. Therefore, Jesus says, do not be anxious. Here it is again. Saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, the pagans, the world seek after all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them all. But seek first his, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious, here it is again, about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Today has its own stuff to deal with. Focus on that. Pray about that. Seek the Lord about that. It's amazing, right? That, that anxiousness, that distraction. We're thinking about tomorrow, and so we lose today. There's no productivity today because we're focused, and then we get to tomorrow, and it's the same as yesterday because we, we need to be just give this to the Lord. It doesn't mean we don't plan. doesn't mean we don't do the right things for tomorrow. But we shouldn't be anxious about tomorrow. And this is, this is hard for all of us, even in the midst of this. Some people are, are going to be fine, and, and maybe their jobs are secure, and some people are actually doing better. One of the, the ladies at the checkout, I was asking her how things are going with all of this because she's obviously looked tired, was working a lot. And she said, actually, it's been great for her family because she gets overtime, and she's able to provide more. So, so some people are having, you know, they're, they're going to weather this just fine. Others are, are going to struggle with it. So I've asked all these questions this, this past couple of days, just having these conversations with the Lord. and um, It's been really good. My, my family's been skiing, so I just have the house to kind of pace around and, and pray. And 
um, just asking some, some deep questions. Lord, what are you teaching me about my heart? I, I, I can tell that I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, uh, I'm restless in this. So there's an anxiousness underlying what's going on. So I ask the questions, Lord, what, what are you going to do with the church? And don't you, I mean, I didn't say, don't you care about the church? I catch my words because I know what I'm saying. But at the same time, I, that's in my heart. Don't you care? People aren't here. And, <laughs> and then the, the thought immediately comes to mind, I, I died for the church. I will build my church. Just trust me. But Lord, what about our business and you know my wife and our business? And if patients don't come, we can't pay the bills, and the things are already kind of tight. And and I'm, I'm, I have a genuine concern about that. And Lord, what if what if you take everything away? What what if you take our business and then we end up taking our house? And I can just see the the chaos that ensues from all this stuff, and I start to get angry. And he's, I will provide for you. <laughs> Do not be anxious. Don't worry about what you're going to eat and what you're going to wear. And I'll provide all of that. Seek my kingdom first. Be on mission. Share my love with other people. I'll take care of all of this. But Lord, what about my actual life? I'm actually I'm immunocompromised. I, I'm, on, I'm on autoimmune drugs, so it suppresses my immune system. And so I'm, I'm actually in a very high-risk category for all of this, Lord. Would you, after all of this, after 20 years of illness, and now you've given me my health back, Lord, are you going to take my life? And the answer came quickly. He's like, I already, I already have. I just just broke down before him. Yes, Lord, I remember. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. I have nothing to fear. I belong to him. Is he everything to you? If you lose your health and you lose your house and you lose your job and, and we lose this this building, and we lose these, is, is that everything? Or is he everything? And so the, 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 the <laughs> as a last minute sermon, if you will, I just prayed that Lord would show me what he wants me to say and how to say. And then the idea, the, the, one of the illustrations that came to mind, I'm like, I'm not going to talk about that. That's, but then I'm like, well, I guess it fits. So I, and after a while, not having anything else, I'm like, yeah, it works really well, right? So Scott knows what I'm talking about. Um, so you guys know the story of the, the Grinch that stole Christmas, right? The Dr. Seuss, the great theologian Seuss, who has the story about the Grinch that stole Christmas. And this came to mind, and it came to mind very quickly, and just all the details, I'm like, oh, it, it kind of makes sense. Because how, are we, how, how do we worship God? Do we worship because we have a bunch of things, because we're just really comfortable, or do we truly worship because he's all we have? That's the perspective, Right. And so The Grinch of Soul Christmas, if you guys know the story, it's, it's a book, but also a cartoon every Christmas time. And um, The Grinch, part too small, all that stuff. He, he goes down to Whoville. He, he just hates the revelry, the, the celebration, all the noise. He just hates that people are happy. So he goes down and he steals everything that represents Christmas, right? All of their celebration, he steals. He steals their tree and the lights and the, the decorations on the wall. And he steals their food, their turkey and their ham. And he, he's taking little, I, I remember these little scenes. He's taking little candy canes out of the, the kids' hands as they're sleeping in their bed. You guys know the story? You've seen that, that cartoon? So he takes everything there's nothing left. There's a nail on the wall. There's, there's, there's crumbs on the floor. That, that, he's taking food from, the, the, I think, the mice and everything. He takes everything. 
And he goes up on his hill and he sits up there with all of his big bag and his sled and his little, little dog. And he's, he's waiting for people to wake up Christmas morning and he's waiting to hear the despair, the lament, the, the frustration. He's, he just, the, 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 the stunned silence of people that have lost everything. Man, I don't know. Ah, <laughs> uh, we're going to have to have a conversation apparently. <laughs> But this is his, this is, this is the countenance waiting. I've, I've stealing everything from everybody. And if you put, if you transpose whatever Satan looks like here, I've, I've stolen their, 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 everything that they can use to worship. I've taken all of their comfort away. I've taken all of their stuff and I've, I've removed all of the, just the, the benefits of being maybe an American and all the affluence and all the, the peace that comes with just things riding out normally and life going on as normal. And, and so he removes all these things, but what happens when, when, when the people come out, they, they gather around in a circle and they begin to sing and they begin to celebrate because they have one another, right? It didn't take away their ability to celebrate. If anything, it was a gift to them to show them what really mattered, as the church, as God's people, if all these things are removed from us, all this stuff, should, should we be anxious like the world? Should we worry about all those things? Should we try to hold on to all the temporary things we can? We're to be different. All of this can be taken away. But we can still worship our God. All of the stability, all of the things that frame our normal everyday life can be removed, can be upended. But if our bridge is strong, if it's been built on faith and on a revelation of who God really is, on a devotion to him, a single-mindedness, we can, we can bear under that weight. Not only that, we can help others who can't. But if we let all of these things distract us, then we can't worship him. And if we can't worship him, we can't trust him. And then we are no different than the world around us. And Jesus says, don't be anxious. Don't be like them. Seek first his, king, his kingdom, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. It's a, it's a great picture how we are to live. And so what will you say to the Lord? If you want to turn to Psalm, I'm sorry, yeah, Psalm 91. And so I had to answer these questions myself uh, this weekend. What can I say? I read this. I read this truth. The Spirit of God confirms in my heart this is true, convicts me that I'm not living in light of that. So I, I repent. I confess my sin. I confess that I'm still struggling with it. And an hour later, Lord, I'm struggling again, right? And so began reading Psalm 91. We don't have an author as far as given to us. A lot of people think it was Moses wrote Psalm 90. They think it was an addendum um, that Moses wrote, but we don't know for sure. But ultimately, it's about our refuge, our fortress, our security, our safety being in God alone. So what do we say to him? The psalmist says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. Just These are word pictures for us, so think about this. Who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. 
my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions or his feathers, picture of God protecting. And under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, this is God speaking, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. I love this. The the word pictures are amazing, so just spend some time with that this week. Um, One thing that really struck me was this idea of he will command, verse 11, he, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On, your hands, on, on their hands they will bear you up unless you strike a foot against a stone. And we see that being reverberated in the temptations of Jesus as well. But um, uh, John Phillips in his, in his commentary says that um, God promise us an, promises us an angel escort home is the picture that he sees here, an angel escort home. It's, an, it's, a, really, it's, it's just a really interesting picture. An angel escort home. There was a story, uh, David Brainerd, a missionary, uh, you may have heard of his name before. So he was an English missionary to North America back in the 1700s, so early to mid-1700s. I think he died in 47. Um, but So English missionary to North America and specifically to the Susquehanna Indian tribe. So um, this this was a young man whose life reverberated in, into Christendom, and he was an inspiration, really a, a model of Christian service, willing to sacrifice his life for the for the sake of the gospel. And uh, he died at the age of twenty nine from tuberculosis, from an infectious disease. He died. It did not stop his mission, and he was uh, on the cusp of going into the uh, tribal land for the Susquehanna Indians, and he was, he was praying by a stream, so he's on his knees, and he was praying, and the story is well documented. He was praying by a stream, and as he was uh, praying to the Lord, there were a bunch of watching eyes from the, from the bush, right, from the, from the brush behind him, and it was, uh, it was some of the warriors that had come out to kill him from the tribe. And so they were there, they were ready to attack him, and they saw that he was praying to the Great Spirit, right? So he was... They saw him talking to the great spirits. He was just talking to the Lord and praying about this, this next phase. And as they were ready to kind of pounce on him, as he was praying on his knees, they saw a rattlesnake, a venomous snake, come up right in front of him, glide right in front, and rise up in a striking pose. And they've seen this a million times before. This is where they live. And the rattlesnake got up to strike, 
And, and David Brainerd, he didn't even notice it. He was, such, he was in such a deep prayer, and it was quiet, and he didn't even see anything. He just kept praying. And they watched as the snake un, undid the recoil, came back down to the ground, and slithered away. And they, at that moment, realized that the great spirit in the sky had protected David Brainerd, and so they backed off. And the next day when he, when he walked into their camp, not knowing if they were going to kill him, not knowing if they were going to be hostile or they were going to receive what he had to say, they gave him a prophet's welcome. They gave him this amazing welcome because they saw the protection of his God. And he didn't even know what happened. He learned about it after the fact. And an amazing influence. Why? Because he wasn't focused on all the dangers around him. He was focused on the Lord. What do you want me to do, Father? And when he focused on the kingdom, all of these other things were taken care of. The danger of the snake, the danger of the warriors. God took care of those things because he was focused on his heavenly Father. He was completely secure in that moment. That's how we are to live. We are not to be anxious. We are to be prayerful. Philippians 4 We'll close with this. Philippians 4, 4 through 9 is part of an application here. Philippians 4, 4 through 9, Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Sometimes we start our, our memory verse with, with, with verse 6. Do not be anxious. But prior to that, the Lord is at hand. This is why you don't need to be anxious. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that a beautiful promise? This is who we are. This is, this is the life of a Christ follower. We are to be different than the world. We are not to be anxious about anything, but in everything, through prayer and supplication, present our requests to God. And here's God's promise. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You can't have that peace. He will not guard your hearts and your minds unless you're giving those things to him in prayer. Sometimes we try to talk to God about our problems while hanging on to all of our worry. It doesn't work. And then the last part, I don't want to skip this because it's beautiful. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is any, anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. The lost are all around us. They have no hope. They have no peace. If we would submit to the Lord and his word and his promises, we are promised to have a peace that transcends all understanding. We have the Holy Spirit of God. We have work to do. Even in the midst of this, this is not a time out. This is not a vacation. If anything, this is, we've been thrown out of the, the plane and we've, our parachutes are deployed and we're, we're landing in the hot zone and we have work to do. We've got, a, we've got a mission to be on. We need to be aware. We need to be on guard for our own temptations, our own, our own 
proclivity for fear and for worry and not let that distract us to be single-minded. Lord Jesus, what do you want me to do today? How do you want me to, to act today? Where do you want me to go today? Do you want me to stay home? If you want me to stay home, what do you want me to do? How, I'm just going to pray, Father, until you show me the next thing. In everything, prayer and supplication, giving our requests to the Lord, not living in fear. Show me, Father, what to do. Show me who to talk to, Lord. Oh, everyone wants to talk to me? Give me words to speak, Lord, because I don't know. Right? Help me to... Help me to share your God. This is an amazing time for God's people to be doing God's work. An amazing time. Let's look at this as an opportunity. Let's look at this as a blessing. We know where we're going. We shouldn't be worried about how we're going to die. We need to be worried about how we are living for Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love, your provision. Lord, thank you that you take care of your people. You've given us everything we need. We have every spiritual blessing in Christ. We have all of our physical needs met by you. Lord Jesus, everything was created by you and for you and through you and you hold everything together we can trust you completely help us not to fear the only way to do that is to have our minds renewed by your word to not be following the pattern of this world Lord forgive us if we have forgive us as we know I know we have we repent of that collectively as your people and ask for mercy and forgiveness and thank you for that forgiveness thank you Lord Jesus you died for us thank you that you've taken our sin removed it from us that your righteousness has been imputed to us, that we belong to you, we have nothing to fear. Our lives have already been forfeit. (laughs) You've purchased us, you've bought us with a price. We pray for our church, Father. We pray that you would protect our people. We don't want anyone to get sick. We don't want anyone to to have trials and, and problems, Lord, as it relates to this. So we pray for those of us who are susceptible to illness, those of us who may get ill. Father, would you help us, protect us, give us wisdom, help us to recover. Those of us who have to quarantine due to some, some you know, higher-risk individuals, Lord, we understand that. Would you, would you bless them in their homes? Give them your peace. Help them to spend more time in prayer and in the Word and on the phone with people sharing your love with them. Help us to meet their needs, Father, to reach out, to make sure they're doing okay, to be the hands and feet, to be the body, to be your church. Those of us who are able to move around freely, Father, and and we ask that you would give us work to do. Show us who to talk to, Lord. I pray, Father, that even though the numbers currently in your church around this city have dwindled because churches are closing or they have to cancel events, Lord, even in the midst of all of that, that out of this, from this, that your church would grow exponentially. We would see, we would see many thousands come to know you through the, through the witness of your people during this time, that your Holy Spirit would be moving in people's hearts, that you'd be drawing people to yourself, Lord. Let this be a time of growth for your church collectively, Father. And for Black Forest Chapel, grow us, Lord, in the midst of this. Show us that you are the one that builds your church, Father. May you receive all the glory for that. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this time. Thank you that we can sing to you again. Uh, Bless us as we go, Lord. Protect your people. We thank you, Lord, that you are our refuge and our fortress. 
We put our trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from the Word of God. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to visit Black Forest Chapel in Black Forest, Colorado, near Monument and just north of Colorado Springs. You'll find biblical teaching and authentic worship in an environment that feels like family and friends. Get directions and more information at blackforestchapel.org.